Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome back in here. It is hour number two on the grid, sportsgrid.com, the early line. Dan Martinez, Joe Ranieri, thank you very much for coming back and hanging out with us here as uh, middle of the week. Dane trying to put it all together, getting a little bit closer to the weekend here, trying to inch closer. We do know a couple of things um, for sure. And in a world of uh, uncertainty right now, especially in a world of sports, Dane, we try to latch on to anything we know. <laughs> right now, we are good to go. And we are good to go for two things. The draft, which we're, uh, we're going to begin uh, to spend an awful lot of time, obviously, uh, diving into that. Our buddy Joe Lisi, of course, college uh, guru, will join us this yeah. week. We'll start diving into some of these players, get you guys acclimated. And for no other reason, Dave, that there is money to be made on this draft, all right? There are bets, there are props, a lot of different ways to tackle it. So we're going to start bringing in, uh, you know, the Joe Lisi's of the world. Uh, that is one thing we know. We, we know for a fact we're going to have a draft. We also now know um, where UFC is going to hold its next fight. And it's happening, Dane, which is what I love about this. Um, and we know, listen, Dana White has been fantastic, adamant of we are putting it together. I don't care. I mean, he went to Brazil. I mean, this yeah, guy is, we told you he's looking for, uh, he's looking for private islands to be able to hold weekly matches. Um, so some of these foreign fighters won't have the problems of coming in and being quarantined, all of this other stuff along those lines. Um, they want to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And we know Khabib, not going to fight Tony Ferguson, but we know Ferguson and Justin Gage are going to go ahead and have the fight instead. Now we also know that it's going to be in a California casino um, <laughs> where this is now. And we, there were some memory had said it was supposed to be at the Barclays Center, and then it was kind of a secret. We thought it might be on the West Coast that we told you about who, what, where, and how. But it appears to this uh, point that this is going to be in a... Uh, in a California casino, and that's what it seems to be right now. That uh, I don't know if they released the name, okay. but we did know in the West, and now we know in California, probably somewhere up by Tahoe in that area there, right, um, it's right on the border of uh, Nevada. Uh, so it's happening. I, I mean, and that's going to happen next week, Dan, and it's a big card, which yep. we love, right? I mean, it's a big card. We love that. Uh, it won't be that heavy fight with Khabib and Ferguson that we've all been uh, waiting for, but there's going to be still some great fights on this card. Our buddy Jay, the Sports Keg uh, CEO, is uh, going to join us also next week, getting us ready for this card. And uh, Jay, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. He actually has contracted the uh, coronavirus. He's doing well. Uh, he's looking forward to getting on here with us again and uh, hanging out with you guys and giving you his thoughts uh, right now. He's been going a little stir-crazy. He said, uh, waiting for this fight. Is it going to happen? Is it not? But he is, one thing we know, he has made us a lot of money yes. on these fights. So nobody does UFC quite like uh, like he does. So uh, he'll be joining us. And I, I, love, I, I love the fact that we have an opportunity that we know, okay, this is coming, UFC 249. Patience, it's happening. May not be the way we thought it was happening, but it's happening. And oh yeah, we've got the draft literally right after that, Dane. I mean, it's going to be back-to-back weekends of um, some yep. must-watch television for sports fans. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about how needed that is in mm -hmm. our country right now for all the things we talked about, the psychological impact, the normalcy, the community that mm -hmm. it provides. And obviously, I definitely want to send my well wishes to our guy, Jade Sports mm. Keg, you know, comes on here, helps everybody yep. get them the edge here on Sports Grid. So we hope he has a full and fast recovery. You know, and this this card, Joe, UFC 249, mm -hmm. we know that Khabib's not there at the top in the main right. event. But there are some other fights that I'm very interested to discuss and hear what Jay and others have to say. I mean, Greg Hardy is on the card as a minus 175 favorite. I think that is interesting. There is a big-time uh, women's matchup. Yes. Name you know, Joe, uh, 
Rose Namawanas against Jessica Andrade. I think that is a very intriguing fight. And like you said, a stacked card. I'm looking at like almost 12 fights. So no shortage of opportunity when mm -hmm. this does in fact go on a week from Saturday, April 18th. And now we're finding out it'll be in the state of California. Yep. Joe, not on a private island or anything like right. that. Yes. But... <laughs> does raise questions for me, Joe, because if they're still, you know, quarantined or what have you, mm -hmm. what does that mean for, you know, the personnel at the casino? What does it mean for the camera crews of whatever network is broadcasting this, right? So yep. I'm on its face. I'm encouraged. I'm happy about it, right? Yes. But I still, I do have open questions about the details of how this is going to be put on. Well, from what, uh, from what I understand is that, and there's a couple of key things here is that the casino is in California, but it's on an Indian reservation. Ah, Native American land. So okay. that's it, correct. It's a Native American land. It's, a, it's an Indian casino. So they, okay. as we all know, uh, don't necessarily um, yes, abide I've by the same uh, rules sometimes. So yes, so they have, uh, they have their way. And that's, listen, it makes sense that you weren't going to get the Nevada Gaming Commission and MGM to agree to. So right. it was going to have to be something off the beaten path, and that makes total sense now. Um, and again, as long as everyone is on the same page and the testing, which I'm sure there's nothing, and I know people have been screaming and yelling about this, but listen, there is, UFC is not stupid. Dana White is not stupid. It's a billion-dollar organization that is going to take every precaution necessary to make sure um, that the fighters are safe, the people involved are safe. They've already had, uh, you know, an entire card uh, go off there with no fans in the, in the stand. Like, yeah. there is, they know what they're doing. They're going to take every precaution to make sure, obviously, they're not, they don't want to be open to a lawsuit and everything else. So, yeah, they're going to be, it's going to be as safe as can be, and the fighters understand what they're going into. Um, I have no problems that this will be a big hit and probably... Uh, maybe one of the most watched okay. UFC uh, pay-per-view fights that we've had in a long time. Because like you said, dude, there's 12 fights on this card. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's a big card. And I wonder even, you know how when they do some of these, the preliminary matchups, right? Yes. The cards are not even on pay-per-view. You know, maybe on like a Fox Sports 1 or an ESPN or that. Yep. You know, so there will be opportunities, whether you get the pay-per-view or not, yep. to see some of this action and to, you know, invest a little bit of your cash. And we'll be here to try to give you where, steer you in the right direction. Now, we've got, um, of course, uh, we're going to talk about uh, this um, uh, all-decade team that was announced this week. Um, and we'll go through it. And uh, Dane and I will uh, give our thoughts here on uh, sure. maybe some of the people that uh, are on it versus some that should have been on it. Um, but there's also some NFL headlines here, so uh, let's talk about some of these things that we've learned here over the last couple of days in the NFL. And it was uh, funny, I guess Tom Brady was asked about Bill Belichick, and you had mentioned that he uh, found himself on Howard Stern of all places, right. um, which is kind of crazy. And you know Stern, to me, one of the um, best interviewers ever. I mean, just flat out ever. Nobody... Uh, does interviews like uh, like Howard Stern. Just the way he gets to have people be themselves and answer questions you probably never thought anybody in the right mind would ever be able to get out of his guests. He does. And of course, Stern went to the Bill Belichick and who's better and would you have been as good as you are if it wasn't for Bill Belichick? Would Bill? So it's, it's right. funny, and he was very, and we didn't get this from Tom Brady a lot, right? It was that very robotic answers for the, forever with, uh, with him as a Patriot. And he talked about how that the argument is crap. He said, listen, I can't do his job. He can't do my job. So, the, you know, it doesn't make, the question doesn't make any sense from the standpoint is that would I be successful without him? I, you know, listen, I, I don't think he'd be successful without me. So, uh, and he's right. I, it's a good answer. It's the right answer because it's true. It's very hard to go, hey, you know what? Um, it's not like Belichick could have been courted. It's not like he can be Belichick. So sometimes the perfect marriage at the perfect time just kind of runs its course and it's nobody's fault. But listen, they've, they've accomplished more as a coaching quarterback than any other uh, combo that we're ever going to see. And I thought his answer was pretty spot on, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, the idea, like, is was it one that made the other or right. vice versa? Listen, they made each other, right? In the same way, like, 
Uh, back in the day, you used yes. to have a similar conversation about Michael Jordan and Phil yes. Jackson, right? Who was responsible for the success of yep. the other? You could say similar things about guys like Greg Popovich and the run the Spurs had yep. with someone maybe like Tim Duncan or, or, or Tony Parker, right? And I think that is the case all the time. What's interesting, though, mm. is, as you know, Joe, Bill Belichick and the kind of culture of the New England Patriots were that there was only one microphone, okay? And it was Bill Belichick's voice. That was it whether it's we're on to Cincinnati or whatever the case may be, right? So I think it does make sense that for the first time, really, you're hearing Tom Brady maybe in a more unencumbered kind of way because yeah. Brady, if nothing else, was a good soldier, teammate, employee under the culture of the New England Patriots. How many times did we hear Tom Brady up at the podium giving the kind of like stock you know, coach speak answer, right? Brady used to do it. Derek Jeter used to do it. And they did that for a reason. Yep. And I, I subscribe to the reason. It's true. You don't want to create any waves, have any drama. I understand that. But this was also like kind of a directive from the organization from above Tom Brady, from Bill Belichick to be judge, jury, and executioner, and the one voice. Well, as we know, He's not there anymore, so maybe he is a little bit more freed up to talk about what he wants. And I, right. I, I don't think it was the quote-unquote right answer, but another thing he said in that interview with Howard Stern that you're mentioning is that he kind of knew all last year yes. that he was a goner, you know, that he was, that this was going to be the swan song. He kind of knew it, and I think that is more news than the fact that he's still given, like, the kind of correct coach speak on him versus Bill Belichick. I think the headline for me was the fact that he kind of knew this was how the story was going to end, and he was doing kind of the victory lap with New England in 2019. Yeah, and, and listen, you know, you get to a point, guys, where the whole, you know, who's who was better and who needed who, like they made it to nine Super Bowls, guys. Right. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, it's this isn't like one, and then it was like a uh, a flash right. in the pan, guys. This this is ridiculous. Nine friggin' Super Bowls together, um, and it was, let's face it, the first half of Tom Brady's career versus the second half of Tom Brady's career. Tom Brady was not the same quarterback who won those first three rings that he was when he won those next three rings. So a lot of Tom Brady early in his career with those Super Bowl wins wasn't because of Tom Brady, guys. It was because Bill Belichick had put together a defense, a running game, uh, and pretty much gave Tom Brady in that first half the ability to be able to do what he did in the second half where those last three rings and were all because of Tom Brady and centered around what he was able to do. But he, Tom Brady didn't fall into the league and become like that. He needed Bill Belichick to be able to put things around him and maximize him. And then once he got to that point, to me, it was, it was Tom Brady just, you know, alleviating more crap for Bill Belichick, and Brady was just as responsible for what happened in half of those Super Bowls uh, as Bill Belichick. And we shall see this year. That's going to be the big right. question, right? Who's going to have more success this year? That, too, is a crap argument because you're talking about a 43-year-old Tom Brady now, and Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. So it's I don't think it's exactly a fair comparison, but it's going to happen, Dane, one way or the other. Oh, it's definitely going yeah. to happen. And you're right. It is not a fair comparison because nope. they're not in a completely different context, you know? Bill Belichick may be working with second-year quarterback Jared Stidham. Tom Brady may have no opportunity to practice with his new team, you know? Yep. So absolutely, but will that be a conversation the entire NFL season? Absolutely, Joe, to the point where our friends on FanDuel, right, literally had a specific bet who will win more games this year, the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Bucks? And right now, Joe... It's even juice on both sides. It yeah. is, it's 110 on both sides. Both of these teams, the Patriots and the Bucks, have win totals of nine on the number. They are both favored to be playoff participants. Yes, um, on that, you know, kind of. So it is really even. That's what the books are saying. So it'll be a conversation throughout the NFL season. And I would, uh, yeah, guys, check it out because it's it's Tom Brady like we've never heard him for, uh, before. He talks about... Um, his marriage and how a couple of years ago he had to kind of actually take a step back a little bit and, and focus on his marriage that he was getting so 
caught up, um, you know, with football right. and those things that, um, you know, he had to actually take a stop. Again, it's Tom Brady un unfiltered, guys, in a way that we've uh, just never seen before. He also talked about, uh, he asked, would you let your kids play football? And Brady says, absolutely. I got no problem. He talked about having concussions. And uh, but that would never, ever stop him from playing. So it was a very eye opening experience. We expect that from some people. Um, but Tom Brady was never a guy to give us a peek into his reality. It was always the same canned answers at the same, you know, same time. It was it, we've never gotten that from Tom. So I thought it was it was pretty interesting, as was Ron Rivera coming out and also saying that if, in fact, the preseason is shortened. Kyle Allen's his guy. Interesting. Kyle Allen would have an absolute leg up um, uh, in front instead of uh, you know Haskins, and it seems wild and crazy, but it it makes sense. I mean, if I'm the new coach and I I know Kyle Allen, I don't know what the hell Haskins is. I don't know what he's capable of not doing. So in an abbreviated you know where you don't have an opportunity to evaluate both, you already don't. You already know one. So, you know, you start the season. I don't know that it's that shocking. It, it, you know, I know Redskins are like, what the hell? It, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, Dane? It does make sense, especially under the context of, you know, limited opportunities exactly. to, to coach and practice and develop yep. together, right? I do think that makes sense. And, Joe, we've seen that across free agency mm -hmm. so far, right? Philip Rivers goes where he knows Frank Reich. Teddy Bridgewater goes where he knows Joe Brady, right? Uh, Nick Foles gets traded to a place where he has experience with that coaching staff. I think in yep. this offseason, even more than others because of limited opportunities, the idea of familiarity with scheme and with coaching and with personnel is going to be a very important part of the way I handicap this NFL season. Absolutely. Also, uh, one other thing, guys, that we learned was the NFL, in preparation of this draft, is going to... Uh, and, and it's been brought up, Dan, and, it, and it's been a great point as far as, all right, so we're doing this whole thing remotely, right? right. It's a virtual draft. So what happens if a guy and anybody that's used Skype or Zoom or anything along, and I think they're using Zoom, um, what happens if a guy drops and he's on the clock for like a minute? Like what happens if they're getting ready to hand their pick and all of a sudden eh, they get cut off? So the NFL has um, has said that they have already built in Yes, you're on the clock, but that clock is going to be very forgiving as far as that goes, uh, taking into consideration legitimate technical issues and uh, delays and those types of things. So I know some people are like, you got to be supposed to, you know, they get Zoom bombed or something like <laughs> the, the clock, like what? They're, they're going to miss their pick or penalize their pick. So uh, and that really to me is going to be. The biggest interesting part about this virtual reality is that you, dangerous like any draft. Guys are in, they're out, they miss, the auto pick happens. It's like, oh my word, what happened? But the NFL says, have no fear, Dane, that they will, um, they will work it out. And so will we with the all-decade team. And we'll do that coming up next year on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside uh, Dane Martinez here, and uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, dive into a little bit of this uh, all-decade team that was just released uh, this week. Some interesting questions and choices, uh, to say the least. Uh, uh, listen, all of the people on that list absolutely deserving in one way, form, or the other. But uh, were there any snubs? Were there some questions? Yeah, most exactly. And we'll, and we'll go ahead and go through uh, on both sides, both offense and defense. But... We had uh, just been talking about the NFL announcing that they are, when you're on the clock, which right. is this being a whole virtual draft, guys, this is the ultimate fantasy football draft is what's going on here. Um, you have to take into consideration that, you know, Zoom um, had his issues here over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, what happens if a guy gets disconnected? Internet goes out, power goes out. Like what happens all of a sudden if that clock runs out on teams 
uh, because the technology didn't work, and it was a legit concern, but the NFL had uh, put us to rest and said, listen, we, we are, we've already built in contingency plans for the ability if, uh, if a team goes dark or can't be gotten in touch or whatever it is, um, the clock is the clock, and they don't anticipate anybody going right up to the edge, but they are going to be very forgiving when that clock hits. But, you know, it's not forgiving, Dane, when you're in a draft situation. We've all been in a draft situation where the Internet goes out, a guy gets disconnected, and you're like, oh, crap, and it, and it auto-picks for you. But you, you had a situation like that. Yeah, absolutely, okay? And what you just said there, Joe, I needed one of my old league commissioners mm -hmm. to also be very forgiving <laughs> in the same kind of situation. This was a while back, Joe. Mm -hmm. I was in a fantasy basketball league, mm -hmm. okay? And you say someone can get disconnected. You also know sometimes, like, there's, like, a little lag, you yes. know, a delay in, like, when you move or when you click on something, right? So uh, once it happened to me, my first round pick in a uh, fantasy basketball draft, okay, I was intending, Joe, to pick Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, okay. okay. All right. And, and, and the way it was listed on this kind of draft, you know, appellate or whatever it was that I was in uh, online to do it, the players were listed um, in alphabetical order. Okay. okay? And so I tried to click on Shaquille O'Neal, and I hit submit. But there was a little delay, okay? So you didn't really, I guess I, I was wrong, and I clicked on the wrong name. And so I, and I hit submit, and it certainly made that pick. And so in alphabetical order, I, I guess I had it, uh, I was definitely taking a center, so it was the big men, in alphabetical order. And my first round pick that year, Joe, instead of Shaquille O'Neal, turned out to be Joel Prisbilla, mm. who was the next center alphabetically listed after the O for O'Neal. And though, Joe, oh, God. So <laughs> listen, you just said that, you know, the league will be very forgiving. Right. You no, know, if someone got this, this commissioner of mine in this league was not forgiven. Oh, dude. So I had to go through it with, you know, my first round pick being Joel Prisbilla oh. all season long. It impacted my team's chances. So, yes, technology can cause delays or issues. I just hope the NFL oh. has contingency plans to keep the kind of, uh, you know, the ethics of it. Uh, I, I, I love it. I absolutely uh, love it because we've all been there where it's like, oh, wait a minute. And you're, you're just not paying attention. And next thing right. you know, it's like, come on, will you? I really wasn't going to pick this guy like seriously. Right. Um, but listen, it, it might very well happen. I think they'll do everything in their power to, well, and especially Zoom, who's been on the fire shall we say, the last couple of weeks. So I am sure on the scope of the stage that they're going to have, and even Harbaugh was one who questioned it this week. He got in touch with his uh, IT guys and was like, listen, how safe? Our connection's secure, are right? We, yeah, right? Like, how safe are we doing this with Zoom? And uh, everybody has assured him that, and now that Zoom, obviously, um, they are going to make every effort to make sure there's not going to be any Zoom bombing or anything going on. So they'll be ready to uh, to go, but it, it, you never know. Technology's wonderful when it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. That's the problem. Um, all right, let's dive into some of these uh, all-decade uh, teams here that were released. Uh, the NFL released the latest all-decade team uh, on Monday uh, this week, both offensively and defensively. And uh, it's funny because, well, shall we say, um, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the selection committee, voted on this as right. far as that goes. So that's where, so understanding the source, that's who voted on this, and this is how the NFL uh, came up. And the, obviously the results, these were the winners. So you had, and uh, we'll start at the top, we, we did have eight players that were unanimous decisions, right. completely unanimous. And... Uh, let's start with, obviously, uh, you know, I'll give you a guess here, guys. The, the first one was uh, Mr. Brady. Tom Brady played the entire decade. This is uh, obviously 2010 right. through 2019. Played the entire decade uh, with the Patriots. Ironically enough, he is the only guy ever, Dane, to be uh, the all-decade team twice. He was also there from 2000 to 2009, which is crazy, but yes. Right. Um, there, and it's the first time that it's ever happened. So, starting with Tom Brady, 
Sure. Are you, is it the right choice, Tom Brady? Um, or do you, uh, is this just a little bit uh, overboard? Or, or really, even the first year that he was an all-decade, that first decade, were they being generous to him with the three rings? Or, you know, did he, re I think he earned it in the 2010 to 19. So I, I think that was the easiest one on the board. Yeah, listen, what you can't you can't really argue with with Tom Brady. I mean, the level of Super Bowls and what we've talked about, right, is as he just has now moved on from the New England Patriots, the idea right. that he's there for 20 years. So, yeah, he's there <laughs> for decades. I, I, I don't have an issue with mm -hmm. that. I'd have to see the 2010 quarterbacks, uh, excuse me, the, the aughts, you know, the previous decade to see if, I don't know, could a guy like Brett Favre or Peyton Manning right, right, like right. on that. But right. on this roster, I don't find an issue with Tom it Brady. It should have been. Yeah, I mean, it should. they shouldn't even ask. They should have no. just penciled his ass in is what they should have done. So I, I do, however, have an issue with the other quarterback on this list. And right now, the other quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Okay, right. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers had an incredible decade. He may be the most skilled quarterback of the decade. Yep. I'll give you that. I believe, and so, you know, if in all of these, whether it's an all-star game right. and voting, you always have to say, who would you take off if you want to put someone on? So if I had to do this, I would keep Tom Brady. If I only got two, though, Joe, I, I would lean Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees, we've seen it. How many records mm. has this man set, Joe? You know, the touchdown record, the yards record. He has Super Bowls to his name in the yep. same way that Aaron Rodgers does. Has the same amount of Super Bowls that Aaron Rodgers does in this decade, if I do remember correctly. Yep. I would put Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers. And I think, Joe, the statistics would back me up. It's uh, it's close. I, I do think the honorable mention there. I get it for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, in his prime, um, I get it. it. It makes total, you know, I, I understand certainly uh, the guy that probably should have had five Super Bowl rings uh, based upon uh, how good he was, but unfortunately didn't work out with Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah, you know, you've got to look at that and you've got to even listen. More, I, yards, more touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, what was Peyton's uh, final? How about Andrew Luck? I mean, there were a couple of guys that were in that honorable mention that right. would have worked. But for the most part, you get Tom Brady, get Aaron Rodgers, you're good to go. Okay. The next yeah. position, of course, was running back on the offense. Okay. And um, four guys. Um, okay. One of them, um, very interesting here. But we'll start with the, the first one. Frank Gore uh, was made this list, and this is 2010. Don't forget to 2019. So his predominant years with the, uh, with the 49ers. Marshawn Lynch with Seattle. Uh, not a lot of people would argue with that. LaShawn McCoy, um, interesting enough there, between uh, Philadelphia and Buffalo. And then Adrian Peterson with the bulk of it there with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So of the four running backs over there, do you have any problem with uh, with the four that were chosen? I don't necessarily have a problem with the ones mm -hmm. that were chosen. I think guys like Frank Gore, and we've had this conversation with like the Hall of Fame debate, or when he's mm -hmm. like moving up the all-time ranks as well, right, Joe? This idea of he has more of a compiler. Like at any point in the decade, did you think that Frank Gore was one of the three best running backs in the NFL? Um, and I don't know that I would, right? Guys like Adrian Peterson, guys like Marshawn Lynch, even a LaShawn McCoy, you know, I think that case is set. I, I, I think that Gore's inclusion on this list is more about timing, right? That he's been there as a durable, good back for the mm -hmm. entire decade. So when you look at the cumulative stats for the decade, he will be there. And I'm not trying to throw shade necessarily at Frank Gore. He deserves all the accolades he gets. I just think this one is more because of the timing and the compiling of it mm -hmm. as opposed to him truly being like an MVP candidate or truly being the best running back in football. One running back who was, in my opinion, for a stretch of two or three years and is not on this list and has stats that are comparable, I'll throw out Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles for the Kansas City Chiefs, he had a stretch where he literally was above and beyond a lot of these guys. And I do think his stats for the decade are comparable. Can I completely argue it? No. But I do think the point needs to be made that Gore was something of a compiler to get to these stats. 
Wide receiver, Antonio yeah. Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin yeah. Johnson, and Julio Jones. And I think it goes without saying, um, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, uh, Julio Jones, I, I don't know an argument against, but you are going to have a lot of people look at Antonio Brown and go, are you kidding me, especially the last couple uh, of years. But, I mean, of that decade, he probably missed two years, two or three years, somewhere along those lines. But there was a six-year stretch there for, uh, for Antonio Brown where I, I dare you to find somebody that was more dangerous or more productive than he was with Roethlisberger. Um, it, they never won, and, and this is the important fact, too, that that trio of Brown, Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell, which would have been a guy I might have even also thrown on that list there uh, a little bit as far as honorable mention goes with running backs. Um, but, man, there's a lot of people got a problem with Antonio Brown being on this list. Uh, they never won, but neither did Larry. Sure. Um, but you did Julio. Yeah, and neither did Julio. I mean, they all got there. They all got there, but they just weren't able to uh, to get the job done. But that's not because they didn't produce for the decade, which is and that's four of the best right there. And I mean, you know, with all of these things, we talk about it with the Hall of Fame mm -hmm. as well, right? Like, are we talking about just them on the field or them as a person? or the way that the writers kind of thought about them, if they had a, a, an ax to grind, right? Well, it's the Hall of Fame committee. So these guys, yeah. I'm sure, are going to be voting for these dudes to be in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. so I believe, listen, if you look at Antonio Brown on the field and his production and skill he brought to the table, mm. I think it is a no-brainer. He does belong there. Yep. I don't have issue with any of these four. You talk about none of them winning a championship, and it's true, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, they, they only went to the playoffs once. Yep. But when you think about who he was as a player, I think they got these four right. I will say, um, you know, in the terms of honorable mention, let's say, I think names like A.J. Green, mm -hmm. I think names like Des Bryant, mm -hmm. I think names like, and we just talked about him uh, a few days ago, I think literally a name like DeAndre Hopkins, if you mm -hmm. look at the stats that he yep. has had over the course of the next decade. It's not like I'm saying I would put one of them in over these four, but I do think those three also deserve recognition for the incredible decade that they had. So tight ends, uh, yeah. and, and this is I hard. I with this one. I mean, Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey uh, for the decade, and, uh, you know, Gronk hurt a lot, uh, but again, uh, big game, tight end, uh, nobody, nobody better than uh, Gronkowski, and Kelsey has been as about as steady as they come over the last decade. Was there anybody excluded from this list? I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can have an all-decade team and not, and not have Tony Gonzalez on Right. Well, was you he know, that I, decade I, or the previous? So he, listen, he was in the entire aughts. Right, he okay. ended, I believe, after 2014. Mm -hmm. So I understand if you want to say that he wasn't there in enough of this decade. Right, right, I, right. But, uh, you know, I mean, when I think about the tight ends of all time, I like Travis Kelsey. Don't get me wrong. Right. I would, I would give a little bit more love to, uh, to Tony Gonzalez, maybe even over Travis Kelsey. I understand that he only had, what, four or five years in right. the decade? And yep. it was the end of his career. Yep. Meanwhile, but Kelsey didn't have the entire decade either. True. Right? And another tight end that I do think maybe an honorable mention kind. But what about Jason Witten? Uh, Joe, also you know, somebody, the yes. Decade, he was there. I mean, he's still technically playing now, right? Yep. So those are names that I do believe. And I personally would find room above Travis Kelsey. I think Kelsey, listen, when we're looking at the decade, that's a formal... Right start an end point for it. Right. Uh, but if I look at, say, because Kelsey is going to have great success into the 20s, right? Absolutely. But I, I, I believe if you take a 10-year period of Tony Gonzalez, right. it stacks up favorably against any 10-year period of uh, Travis Kelsey at this yeah, point. Yeah, you know, if it, it, depending on what you want to count, I mean, six Where years. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey, of course, culminates it with a, with a uh, you know, with a Super Bowl win there sure. in 2019. So... Uh, you can't go. I'd take any one of them regardless. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem uh, drafting and being in, and having either one on the team. Uh, the only other offensive uh, spot there, um, quickly, Darren Sproles for the flex. I, how the hell you argue with that? Anybody what? more, uh, any better uh, Swiss Army life than, uh, than Darren Sproles over the last decade? 
no, nah, I think that makes sense. I don't necessarily know what that means, right? right what that role is, but sure, uh, in that kind of Swiss Army knife, yeah, right. he did that. And because they also have a special teams all decade team, right? Yeah. So I think that's interesting. You could get a guy like Tyreek Hill or Corderell right. Patterson still involved, but sure, I got no problem with this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll take a look at some of these uh, defensive guys uh, coming up here, too, because there's a uh, there are some question marks here uh, yeah. with some oh, of these yeah. that we'll take a look at. We'll have that, plus, uh, you know, a couple of guys that maybe should have been on the list, not on the list, and, oh, yeah, what about what about PEDs? Eh, a whole lot of question marks coming up on the defensive side. We will do that coming up next year as uh, Dane and I bring you that all-decade team on the early line. It is The Grid, guys, sportsgrid.com. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez here for you as uh, we continue to take a look here at this uh, all-decade uh, team announced by the NFL this week, uh, voted on, of course, by the uh, Hall of Fame committee, the selection committee, and, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, listen, you can't go wrong with any of them. Obviously, uh, some of the guys that were just absolutely tremendous from 2010 to 2019. And, of course, as we move into, uh, as we move into the defensive side here, I think there are probably going to be uh, a couple of head scratchers, uh, but also we wanted to recognize some of the uh, offensive linemen that also were in there. Uh, Jason Peters for a million years with, uh, with the Eagles, uh, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley, uh, Joe Thomas, very hard to, it, it, you, you can't just argue with any of them. Uh, offensive guard, um, uh, Jari Evans, which, by the way, is uh, many consider to be one of the all-time great Eagles. That uh, He was a huge part of, obviously, their Super Bowl run there. Logan Mankins, Zach Martin, uh, Marshall Yanda, Alex Mack, and Pouncey. Very hard to argue with any of those guys, Dane. They did it for such a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it's crazy how actually long that they, uh, they did it. And... All of those guys, if you notice there, we're talking about um, Super Bowl, if not Super Bowl, you know, been there, done that kind of offensive lineman. What a shock. I mean, who'd have known? Championships equal quality Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Who'd have thought? I didn't think offensive linemen mattered that much. Yeah, those correlations do seem to always <laughs> happen, Joe. And, you know, while they are not glamorous positions, I, do, I do think they got a lot of this right, especially Joe Thomas and Marshall oh. Yonka being unanimous selections and big shout out to yanda who only is kind of walking away from the game now in yeah. baltimore right um so the idea of them that being big shoes for the ravens to fill in the short term but for the most part on offensive linemen i do think they got it right mm. but you also have to understand it's it, it's hard to see like there's less statistics to evaluate right. them on and that right. sort of thing and people don't pay as much attention not necessarily rightfully so but you know i i, I do think that uh, the linemen were correct for the most part. Yeah, no, very uh, all good stuff there. Uh, Joe Thomas too, forever. Unfortunately, just stuck in uh, stuck in Cleveland uh, with Alex Mack. I don't know how that worked. That you could have Joe Thomas and Alex Mack and still suck. It's beyond me. Anyway, uh, let's go to the defensive side here. We'll sure. start. Uh, why don't we start with the defensive end position here? Where uh, interesting enough, uh, he uh, uh, just swapped teams again. Calais Campbell, mm -hmm. uh, Cameron Jordan. Uh, Julius Peppers and J.J. Watt from the defensive end position. Uh, I can't really, obviously, Julius Peppers and J.J. Watt, certainly uh, for what they have been able to do. Uh, Julius Peppers did it for a long, long time here, guys, and dominating not just with the Panthers, but, of course, 
uh, even with his years in Green Bay. And J.J. Watt goes without saying. Um, Calais Campbell, Cameron Jordan, I've heard some people argue one way or the other for there. But if you had an honorable mention, who yeah. are you looking at here, Dane? So the first thing I want to say about this, Joe, is I think it's very interesting how they group defensive ends, yeah. defensive tackles, and also outside linebackers. Mm -hmm. okay? And for those of you who know football, understand the difference in, say, like the 3-4 and the 4-3 scheme, right? And so mm -hmm. when you're kind of making these teams, to be quite honest, when I saw DN, the first name I thought, and I didn't see uh, Von Miller at first. Right. And I was like, oh, what about Von Miller? He deserves to be on here. But they have him as an outside mm -hmm. linebacker. You know, yep. I in this decade, as the NFL has shifted to a more pass-happy league and mm -hmm. as pass rushers kind of become a little bit more amorphous, like positions that they play. I think there's ways to kind of split the baby on this one. Um, so it's interesting what they call pass rushers. That notwithstanding, the one name that I believe deserves to be on this as a kind of pass rusher, whether you call him an outside linebacker, whether you call him a defensive end, Joe, for me, it's um, DeMarcus Ware. Mm. I think DeMarcus Ware belongs on this list. If you look at the all-time sack totals, mm. he is right up there. He was a force fit mostly in this decade. And so if I had to make one change, Joe, I would put DeMarcus Ware in, and I think I'd take Cameron Jordan out. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's so hard. They're all very dominant in, uh, in what they did for a... Right for a significant portion of time yeah. um, and, and the tackles too. I mean, you're looking at Geno Atkins, uh, you know, at Cincinnati, uh, who I, I believe has just been, I don't know that they re-signed him again. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I mean, just the, you and I talked about what an absolute, uh, you know, man among uh, boys there. He, uh, he looked like in uh, for Philadelphia, he's just a beast. Aaron Donald, of course. And you gotta uh, you gotta give a Dominican Sue, although you know now in 2020 he's not gonna be the player he was. But during that decade, guys, uh, there is nobody between his Lions and even when he went to the Dolphins, um, just an absolute double team for sure. Had to know where he was at all times. Um, that is a fierce defensive tackle group there. Those four guys. Absolutely. You know, again, my question is just how we are defining the positions mm. of certain players. You know what I mean? For example, Joe, when I think J.J. Watt, I think of someone in the middle of the line. Mm -hmm. I think of more of a defensive tackle. To be quite honest, when I think Calais Campbell right. from the thing, I think of someone who's more mm -hmm. plucked up the run in the middle. You know, so that's where I said before the idea of how these positions are defined to kind of massage the numbers a little bit to get these guys right. on things. I kind of think are, are are pretty interesting, shall we say. I would have not called Calais Campbell or J.J. Watt defensive ends. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's other guys who had a ton of, say, sacks. When I think of defensive ends or, or outside rush linebackers, mm -hmm. I think of guys that generate sacks. And, Joe, the kind of sack leaders mm -hmm. from this decade would also include, you know, Terrell Suggs for yep. example, would also include someone down by you, Cameron Wake. Mm -hmm. You know, Cameron Wake had about 100 sacks in, in this decade. And, you know, some of these guys don't. Point. There are others, you know, and Cameron Jordan, Calais Campbell, they're definitely up there on the list as well. But for me, it's interesting how they try to define the pass rusher role in a yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, linebacker is just linebacker, whether it be inside or outside. They've got another great crew here, obviously, Luke Keekley, uh, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, uh, Bobby Wagner, who does it at such, uh, without a lot of fanfare, never gets talked about. Uh, Patrick Willis, I think people forget just how ridiculous Patrick Willis was with the 49ers there. And then, of course, uh, Chandler Jones, uh, interesting enough there um, with the Patriots. And, of course, right. back to uh, the Cardinals, back to the Patriots. Uh, every one of these guys, a uh, little different in what they do and their approach. Uh, but still, I mean, if, uh, if you were building a linebacking crew around any of these guys, it's like, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with any of them. Oh, yeah, I have no issues with this one. This is mm. the position that I'm cool with when you think about Keekly, when you think about, listen, Bobby Wagner. <laughs> he went through a stretch. I'm not kidding you. He went through a stretch of two full NFL seasons yes. with and missed two tackles Yep. in two seasons. And it was like, and both of them came in a game where he ultimately like 
separated his shoulder or had an injury, you know? So absolutely, I don't find any issue with that. Um, there are some other great linebackers, but did they have enough play in this decade right. to kind of be, you know, like a guy like, for example, Brian Urlacher, mm -hmm. right? Like he only made it to, I believe, 2013. Yeah, so he wasn't it right. He was the previous decade, yep. Exactly. And so with some of these things, you know, when you have to be confined to these years, some people will benefit because they had their entire career in right. that window, right? When others are stretched across. So, yes, I have no dispute with the guys who are on this list but some of them just get the benefit of having their careers kind of fully encapsulated mm -hmm. in the deck. Yeah, Patrick Walsh was just a absolute beast uh, there in the middle and uh, was running everybody down. Then you get to the quarterback situation, and this is yep. where uh, you'll get one of the red flags from a lot of folks, but not because you picked Darrell Rivas or Richard Sherman, uh, but because Patrick Peterson is uh, also named on this list. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Patrick Peterson has proven guys to be just absolutely tremendous uh, uh, throughout his career. I mean, he is just unbelievable, but he was suspended for six games in 2019 for PED use. He tested positive. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's the, and then he was also tested positive for trying to cover up the original test. So there was a uh, lot of shenanigans going there in 2019 for Patrick Peterson. And the six-game suspension doesn't disqualify him from the Hall of Fame or anything along those lines. It does disqualify them from being named to any sort of Pro Bowl team or any award or something right. along those lines. But it only applies to the year that you were busted and served your suspension in. So outside of that, I mean, was he an absolute beast? Yes, he was. Patrick Peterson shut down. Revis shut down. Sherman yeah. shut down. Um, but is it right to give him the benefit of the doubt, given right. the fact that he failed it and then tried to cover up the failing? Um, you know, there are a lot of people saying, no, we could have come up with somebody, uh, somebody uh, better that uh, has a much cleaner record than what's going on with him right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible. But, you know, at the same time, I, I do believe Patrick Peterson was one of the best three cornerbacks of the decade. So I'm OK with that. I find it interesting, Joe. You know, it's been the age old question. Anytime they bring up Richard Sherman, the idea that he doesn't travel with the number one wide receiver. Right. The Legion of Boom was set up yep. that he would man one side of the field, you know. And so many people have talked about is that an easier job. Mm -hmm. You know, and should he be on some level downgraded because of that? I don't necessarily think so. I think they got this right. As long as Darrell Revis is on the list, I'm cool with it, Joe. You know, I'm I mean? with you. Yeah, I I'm with you. He got it right. I mean, other names that I thought about, Aqib Talib was a great cornerback in the last decade. Guys like Joe Hayden were good cornerbacks. Even Stephon Gilmore yeah, has absolutely. a revelation yep. over the last four or five years with New England, before that with. Buffalo. There have been others. Marcus Peters comes to mind. And I and think none of them failed PED tests. Good. So, yes. And I think all of them are good to great, may have all pros to their resume, right. may even qualify for the Hall of Fame when all is said and done. But this position I didn't have too many issues with. It's the safeties that I, I, I have some other nominees, Joe. All right. So let's uh, we'll look at the safeties here. Of course, uh, Kansas City Chief great Eric Berry. Earl Thomas, obviously, with Seattle. And then, of course, uh, Eric Weddle, uh, between his uh, Charger days and, uh, and Raven days. Uh, those are your three safeties that, uh, that they have nominated there. So which one do you have the biggest problem with? The biggest problem? And it's so, I mean, to be quite honest, I would only have, out of these three, in my top three, Earl Thomas, I think, would be the only one, Joe. Right. Um, Eric Berry, listen, great guy. Remember, beat mm -hmm. the cancer and so emotional story. Mm -hmm. Ooh, no problem with that. Eric Weddle, I'll give you kind of had a great um, a great uh, career along mm -hmm. with, you know, with the Ravens and with the Chargers. I got a couple of others, though, that I think belong in here, Joe. One, we talked about one of the best decade uh, defenses of this mm -hmm. decade being in Seattle, the Legion of Boom. Right. Right? And for me, if you're going to have Earl Thomas on this team, if you're going to have um, Richard Sherman on this team, mm -hmm. you need to have Cam Chancellor mm -hmm. on this team as well. I think Cam Chancellor belongs here as part of the Legion of Boom. And the other guy that I would mention, and this you know, is kind of the idea of 
did he play the whole decade, but he's now a newly enshrined Hall of Famer. What about Troy Palomalu, Joe? What about Troy Palomalu? I don't know if you're going to consider his whole career fitting in this decade, but I think Palomalu should be on it. I would rather personally... He was all decade, the previous decade. Time. Yeah, last time. So, well, yeah. I am Chancellor above Eric Berry mm -hmm. and Eric Weddle, personally. Yep. And I think there's, you know, again, it depends on the marking lines of this decade, but... For that, if you want to give me Cam Chancellor over Berry or over um, Eric Weddle, and a lot of people will consider Harrison Smith of the Vikings as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, no way you can't look at that. I mean, Chris Harris and the, and the Honey Badger, obviously, yeah. also named uh, as Dev, and and they can rotate. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with these guys, but uh, you know, Chris Harris and uh, and Tyron Matthew, I have no problem with either. Uh, Johnny Heckler and Shane Leckler as punters. I mean, guys, two of the greatest that ever. Sure play the game is just well, kind of crazy and then maybe the easiest to me of all of this all decade yeah. team um goskowski and justin tucker as your kickers i i dare you i dare I you to find somebody else besides these two guys that were more consistent over though over that decade than uh than they do uh and devin hester too is a kick returner with Corderell patterson yeah. Uh, also kind of hard, but I don't get Tyreek Hill as a punt returner. I, I don't, I get Sproles as a punt returner. I don't get, yeah. uh, I don't get uh, Tyreek Hill in this decade as a punt returner. Yeah, because remember, this is only like kind of, he's only been here for what, a few years, right? right? Yeah. And so that's interesting. I agree with you on the kickers. I think mm -hmm. Gotskowski and Justin Tucker as well. What about Vinatieri? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, uh, previous decade, he was also the... Uh, yeah, he was also Patriots named the previous one. Yep. Won Super Bowls in this decade. I know we don't have a ton of time, Joe. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the coaches mm -hmm. for this team, Joe, they have Belichick and Pete Carroll, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't disagree with that, um, but I think a case could be made for Sean Payton. Um, maybe Bounty Gate and all that stuff. You know, he was suspended for a year from the mm -hmm. NFL, but some could say that Bill Belichick was not always on the up and up either. I can see Peyton in there. I can even see Andy Reid in there if you want mm -hmm. to know the truth. I don't fully disagree with Belichick or Carroll, but what are your thoughts? Do you think Peyton or Reid deserve consideration? So hard to, it would be just impossible. You could make an argument for any of those guys, I, you know I, what I mean? But from a consistency standpoint, it's like, you know, how are you going to argue with that? I mean, that was another stupid one. Like, yeah, let me guess. Bill Belichick, yeah, next. You know, it's like, right. oh, let me guess. Michael Jordan, MVP. Yeah, I next. It's like, you know, he could have been the MVP, uh, you know, every year. It's so true when you look at that. But I will say this. Tyreek Hill, um, in this decade, he ranks 25th in punt return <laughs> yards. And you named him to the all-decade team. A little strange to me. But uh, more on this, of course, coming up throughout the week. Joe Lisi will join us. Uh, we'll start diving into the draft. And, of course, we want to invite you guys to come back and join us again tomorrow. More headlines. Get you caught up with all the latest. He is Dane Martinez. I am Joe Ranieri. You got a whole slew of hosts and shows coming up, keeping you abreast of everything that's happening in the world of sports. They'll be back next. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you again then. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.